Today's podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Practice Evolution Prime. Practice Evolution Prime was created to bridge the gap from school to success. You can be successful, you should be successful, and being successful takes work. You have to gain the skills and foundation to be the sought-after family chiropractor, and our goal is to create extraordinary family chiropractors. This program is not easy. It will challenge you. It will push you. We choose to only work with doctors and students who are teachable, principled, and willing to work hard to improve their skills, practice, and their lives. If you are interested in learning more about this program and to apply, or if you are a patient looking for a PEP Prime doctor, visit our website, pepprime.com. That's pepprime.com, or call the Practice Evolution Program at 801-281-1646. Hey everyone, and welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children, by sharing the experiences of the doctors and the healers and the families in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children and your families today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. All right, guys. Today... Uh, is going to be a special episode. Um, you know, normally we're talking to chiropractors, we're talking to healers. Um, you know, we're we're going to talk to a few allied healthcare workers in this season. But uh, it's apropos that uh, today on the podcast we have um, a, a couple folks who are are very special to our practice and, and our lives um, because of what uh, they all just kind of went through. And I'm I'm not uh, I'm not going to bury the lead here. Um, Shireen Cantua is one of our uh, chiropractic assistants in our practice, uh, and she's part of our family. Um, and she, uh, just within the past uh, several weeks, uh, delivered her second surrogate baby. Uh, and so we have Shireen on the podcast, along with uh, Patrick and Libby Matting, who are, I guess, we refer to you folks as the biological parents, right? Um we're, we want you guys to share this story because this, this thing, it, it occurred um, in such an amazing way. Uh, and I think it's, it's something that needs to be told because there, there isn't a lot of really good uh, sort of narrative when it comes to surrogacy, particularly because as I learned last year, surrogacy is not exactly legal in any other country other than the United States. There's a lot of weird shame and other sorts of things that, that occur in other cultures. Um, and, and really this, this whole, you know, experience and, and process has just been just really amazing, especially for somebody like me, who's kind of watching and, and participating in more of an outside uh, role. So, um, Shireen and Libby and Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, let's let's start with Libby and Patrick. Uh, if you would not mind, I, I'd love to kind of hear, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear, you know, your history and what led you to Shireen. Yeah, um, our, our story is, I think, um, not unlike other people's story that have battled infertility. Um, you know, we, um, like all other couples, just assumed we would get pregnant and start a family. Um, and we, we tried for the standard, you know, 30 days and we got pregnant and, um, we were pregnant for about four months, uh, and we lost it. And, um, that was very traumatic to us. And so we went to our OBGYN and, and, you know, and tried to develop a plan and like a lot of OBs, they, um, start you on Clomid, um, and they, they give you another, you know, 30 to 60, 90 days kind of thing to try and try and we tried, we were on fertility monitors and monitoring our ovulation and got into this regimented sex cycle like so many of us do when we're trying to have a baby and battling with infertility. Um, and after about six months of trying, um, our OB um, said that we should probably see a fertility specialist. Um, and so we started down that rabbit hole um, and um, it, it infertility is not covered by health insurance. 
Um, so um, most health insurances don't cover it. Um, and so we started down um, a path of a lot of financial crisis as well, um, investing so much money in trying to harvest eggs. Um, the doctor originally had said that he thought that um, I could bear children and that he was worried about my eggs. So we did um, a few rounds of trying to um, get eggs from me. We successfully got one um, session of eggs and I think they got um, two or three eggs out of me and, and had one that was viable. So that was our first transfer um, and, and the transfer was unsuccessful. Um, we went through a couple more rounds of trying to get eggs from me um, and then the doc doctor said basically that my eggs were not viable. Um, at that point, he thought I could still carry. Um, so he said, you should consider getting an egg donor, um, which again was not in our wheelhouse of options. We didn't ever think we would be looking for somebody to donate an egg. Um, and so we um, went out and found an egg donor. Um, and so the egg donor um, was um, very gracious and, and they got, um, I think, eight eggs from her that were viable. Um, and so we were very excited. The doctor at that point still thought that I could carry. Um, and so we transferred two perfect embryos um, and neither one of them took. Um, at that point, we, we had six eggs left and we had to make a very important decision as to how we were gonna proceed. Um, and, and by that point, I was so fatigued um, you know, it, we, we had been going through three years of fertility treatment, a lot of drugs, a lot of drugs. Um, and of course I, I tried, you know, we did the whole, um, non-traditional, I did, you know, a year and a half of acupuncture and I drank all the teas and used all the positions and sat on my head and, and did all of them. I mean, people gave me a fertility drum, people gave me fertility soap, people gave me I mean, you go through, you know, I could write a book on all of the fertility tokens that people had given me. And, and to tell you the truth, Dr. Bronstein, I tried everything, mm -hmm. you know, and um, at that point, um, um, when I found out my eggs were bad, um, it just so happened that um, my school that I work for has a health clinic um, once a year. And um, I went to this health clinic um, and Shireen um, coincidentally was the one who did all my screenings <laughs> and at, during the health screening, you know, that they ask you if there's any kind of medication that you could be taking that could affect your blood pressure or sugar levels. And, and I broke down crying, um, and sort of just <laughs> spewed to Shireen what had been going on and that I was trying to have a baby and that my eggs were bad. And, um, and at that point, surrogacy was not even an option for us. Um, you know, surrogacy, I thought, was for, like, famous people. Um, and the cost that I had investigated was $150,000 to $180,000. And I'm an educator, so um, that was out of our wheelhouse that we would ever be able to do that. Um, I also just assumed that because my eggs were bad, um, I didn't have an option of having a surrogate because I didn't have good eggs. Um, and um, so Shireen, at that point, at the end of our screening, had said to me that she didn't want to make me feel awkward, but that she had been a surrogate. And, um, and that if I was ever in a place where I was exploring surrogacy, she warned me that there was a lot of misinformation out there and that she would be um, happy to talk with me about it should I ever be in a place where I was exploring it. Um, so when you go through infertility, everybody has somebody you should talk to. <laughs> so people give you numbers of a friend of a friend, of a social worker you should call. At that point, we had also started trying to adopt. So we had gone with an adoption agency and spent a lot of money because we wanted an open adoption. Um, and so, um, I would say maybe six months after I met Shireen, um, I had somebody contact us about a potential adoption. Um, and so we went all the way to birth um, with, that, uh, with that potential adoption. We were going to all of her 
her doctor's appointments, you know, paying for things for her. Um, and we were, we, you know, set up a nursery to bring home a little boy. Um, and then 24 hours after she gave birth, um, she changed her mind. Ugh, and so, um, so you, you kind of get to this place of total surrender. And, um, and so I have this envelope with all these numbers in it. And I opened that envelope and dumped out the envelope and called every number that was in there. Um, and one of them was Shireen's. And I just said, you know, I don't remember exactly what I said, but <laughs> basically this is Libby. I met you over a year ago. Um, and um, I'm at a place of total surrender with trying to start a family. Um, and, um, and so a day later, Shireen called me back and she said, I'll never forget. She said, I'm so sad to hear from you, but I'm so glad to hear from you. Um, and that sort of was the beginning of this journey that we've taken together. Hey, Libby, um, yeah. from start to finish, uh, I'd say from, you know, you and Patrick, you know, kind of having the conversation about trying to start a family to really having that phone call with Shireen, how much time do you think elapsed, would you say? Um, almost four years. Okay. So you guys had been through the ringer. Um, you know, it's funny because I, <laughs> as a Cairo, you know, fertility is, it's a sticky subject because I, I definitely have some patients, you know, who we've helped quite a bit. Um, and there's colleagues that I have who focus the entire thrust of their practices on fertility. Um, but you know what? Sometimes <laughs> sometimes shit happens, you know, and it's like, it's funny because chiropractors, we like to have this sort of ego driven thing where we, we pretend that we can kind of fix everything. But, um, you know, I, you know, hearing your story, it's, it's just, you know what, it's one of those things sometimes, sometimes shit happens. And it's like, we, we don't, we want so badly to fix things that a lot of the time, like our providers, we take it, we take it personally, right? And every chiropractor who's listening to this podcast, and I know there are a lot of chiropractors who listen and share this with their patients, you know, we, we all have a story like that, or we have multiple stories like that. Um, you know, listening to everything you, you went through, um, eventually, you know, to meet Shireen is just, um, I mean, I, I have no words, um, but thank you very much for, for sharing that. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about how, how the relationship with Shireen kind of evolved after that phone call. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't you talk to Shireen first, Libby, and then I, I'm not sure what all happened in that conversation, but yeah, I, I think I just did a lot of crying and um and shireen um I, we were on our way to san francisco or san jose to go to a adoption seminar yeah. and we had set up a telephone conference with shireen um and um and so um because we were still even though the adoption fell through we were still going to move forward with trying for another one mm. Um, and so, um, so Shireen called us and, and we had a real lengthy conversation and, and Shireen just shared with us, um, a lot of information that helped us actually consider, um, that we could have a surrogacy, that this could be something that we could do. Um, and, um, and then we met for dinner. Mm-hmm. And um, and we had a wonderful Italian dinner, mm -hmm. and Shireen and Johnny, Shireen and Johnny came, and and and, um, and it was a great, um, just an introduction, and and um, then from there we decided to go back to my fertility doc, um, and that was the next step was going into our fertility doctor. Um, so we went in and, and Shireen had had some tests already done, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I was a surrogate before, and I think our first conversation, I, I thought that they might still want to go through an agency. So we talked about pros and cons <clears throat> of agency versus going private and um, the pitfalls to avoid if you are going to go private and the cost difference between the two. 
Um, and then because I was considering an agency prior, I knew I wanted to be a surrogate again. I just was waiting for the right people. Um, I had some, already had some prior testing done to bring to their fertility doctor. Yeah, so we went to the fertility doc and we had, we still had embryos um, frozen. And so the fertility doc did some additional minute testing um, and then um, basically said to me um, <laughs> that this is what he thought we might have needed all along, um, wh which was a little charging, of course, um, because if he would have told us that a lot of dollars ago, that would have been nice. But, but you, you know, when you go through infertility, I think there's a, there's a part of you that wants to try everything that wants to never have to look back and wonder, had I not tried, could I have carried? Could I have used my own eggs? Um, and so um, so I'm glad that we, that we went through what we went through. I wouldn't have told you that while we were going through it. Mm. Um, but I don't have any concern that I didn't try everything. Mm. Um, and so, um, so at that point, it was sort of a go. Um, and then it kind of happened rather quickly, I thought. Like, we mm -hmm. set up a date for the transfer. Um, obviously, there was legal things that had to be um, feathered out. Um, we both we both um, had paperwork drawn up and contracts were overseen. But, but I think the most beautiful thing about it was that we drafted the contract together. Mm -hmm. um, Patrick and I wanted Shireen to have control over what she needed to become part of this journey with us. It wasn't like we really even needed two lawyers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was, and, and Shireen really was our guide. Um, and we trusted her and, and whatever she needed, we wanted to make sure that she got. So, she, so I, I think that's a big thing in, in going through something like this is that you got to trust each other and, and you got to be willing to to go through the journey knowing that your surrogate is a part of it and and not a conduit mm -hmm. so they're not they're not an incubator so we we need to talk about this cuz I, I mean literally just yeah. got off the blower with Natalie right and we were talking about the energetic concomitants of of the postpartum period you know chakra blocks mm -hmm. metaphysical you know stuff you know and you know, as a Cairo, you know, we, we acknowledge the, the esoteric, you know, components of, of pregnancy, right? And I say esoteric, but really like it, the essential components of the pregnancy process, right? Which is, it's something that's so rare uh, in our birth culture. And that's what's, um, that's really uh, sort of spotlit uh, by the fact that we have such a huge C-section rate. Um, but, but yeah, the, the fact that you guys attack this thing as a team um, is one of the main reasons that I felt compelled to have you on the podcast because it's so stinking rare to have this kind of approach in so a so-called quote-unquote routine birth. Um, it's got to be unheard of in a surrogacy. Um, it, made, it made a huge difference in... in um just how smoothly everything went to be able to communicate with them to not be treated as a surrogate. Sometimes you're treated as just the, just the vessel, just right. the, like you know, property. Yeah. Property. Yeah. Like you're under the control of what the parents want because of how much they've been through, which is kind of understandable, but at the same time, it's, it's really off putting and it makes you feel like just, separate from the process well i mean and even beyond you know what what libby and patrick want or what you want shireen it's i mean you and i know this this is axiomatic but it's it's good for baby right i mean mm -hmm. it's yeah. mom mom is sharing you know stress hormone with baby back and forth through the, the three trimesters of birth and it, it switches back and forth at about the third trimester but you know we know that 
there are so many moving pieces in the development and delivery of a healthy kiddo. And to be honest, and Natalie and I just talked about this as well, it takes so much more work than it would be if, for example, you just wanted to be a receptacle, right? Um, or a conduit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in this case, it, it legitimately took a village. Um, and to see it all coming together uh, at the very beginning, um, you know, Libby just said that it was pretty quick. I mean, certainly nobody asked my permission, right? But everything kind of took <laughs> off pretty quick on my side. Um, but uh, it's, just, it, it's just so crazy looking back now uh, at everything that has transpired and how you know, the beginning of that process for you guys, um, well, really the end of the process, but the beginning of the surrogacy process kind of, kind of hashed out. Um, so, okay. So they, they go and do the implantation. Um, and then what happens next, uh, for, for you guys? Then you wait, which is fun. <laughs> so wait for what? There was not a lot of waiting from what I recall, Shireen. Well, the longest period is from the transfer to taking the blood test. That's oh, like, that's right. That's, that's an eternity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an eternity. And how long yeah. did that take uh, in actual real time? Only five, six days. They did yeah. it super early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was about a week um, that we had waited. And I remember Shireen showed up with a bottle of champagne <laughs> and some chocolate. And I and And when you go through a lot of trauma... You're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. So, so Shireen, one of her most amazing qualities is that, is that I I have felt very broken, um, and she's so positive. So for her to show up with the this is before the blood test, <laughs> um, and they had transferred two embryos, and so we were at that point like, are we going to have one? Are we going to have two? Um, and so, so they. The blood test came back positive, and then the doc, the fertility doc, called us back in and did an ultrasound um, and found one heartbeat. And it was so amazing because Shireen and I had the same reaction where we both were like, uh, like, oh, there's only one, and then we're like, there's one. <laughs> I think that was so nice that we both kind of shared the same, the same love for these two little embryos that we transferred. Um, and then to have one take, we were ecstatic. Mm. Um, and so we stayed with the fertility doc for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then at that point he was going to hand us off to, um, and back to an OBGYN. Um, and things got a little wonky at that point. Um, um, Shireen, um, in her last surrogacy had worked with a midwife, um, uh, um, and also worked with an OB, um, and and so we kind of just assumed what we would just do that. Um, and then when we went to um, go meet with the OB, uh, we were sadly um, surprised that no OBs would work with us if we were going to work with a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't even get an appointment. We couldn't get we couldn't get through the front no. door. Hey, Shireen, remind me, was that your experience in your first surrogacy too when you decided to work with Megan or I can't remember exactly? Megan was um, unofficial for, she was just, uh, Megan and Mary, uh, they were support. um, Not not acting in a midwifery capacity, that's right. Right, right. They were there for support and um, encouragement and just talking and questions. It was, they were unofficial um, until the very last stretch of the pregnancy when I was allowed to leave the OBGYN, which is a whole other story. Right. I mean, um, and I don't want to dig too you, much deep into the yeah. past, but it's like, you know, even right. as a chiropractor, you know, obviously, you know, we work with Megan, um, who hopefully we'll have on the podcast shortly. Um, we work with her pretty regularly. And in California, the politics uh, outside of surrogacy have been pretty dicey with respect to midwives for no reason at all other than, you know, political nonsense. Um but inviting the element of what amounts to like a contractual pregnancy uh, it makes it even much more confounding, right? Um, yeah. We'll bring this up, I think, when the story gets a little closer to delivery time. But um, in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, well, you know, at what point 
you know, if something does go a little sideways, does it become like a legal nightmare? Right. And, and, you know, obviously we would never, you know, wish that, but as a chiropractor, I'm always looking at things like risk benefit. Um, and again, I'm not sure if there's, there's a precedent for that at all. Um, and, uh, it's, I mean, hindsight's 2020, like Megan did obviously an amazing job. Um, but it's, right. those are, those are the questions that I think that lawyers would be, would be, um, you know, caught up in for years and years and years. Um, because it, it was just the lawyers and happened. all the doctors. Yeah, right. for sure. I mean, the OBs are always looking, the OBs are surgeons, right? So they're looking at like, you know, what's, what's the least invasive way to make this happen in a sterile environment, right? In a medical environment um, versus, yeah. you know, really what ended up happening, which is how do we make a baby and bring a life into the world? Um, anyway, all right. Sorry for stepping on your toes. Please continue, you guys. No. So we had, we had, we were, we were, you know, obviously we were going to go with Megan because of, of a number of reasons. One is again, uh, Shireen as our guide, you know, she, Megan had been with her through her last surrogacy. Megan knew her body. Megan was there through her, through her delivery. She knew Shireen. Shireen was comfortable. Again, what was always driving our positions on things is, is what's best for Shireen, what's best for the baby. And, and we had, we, we trusted Shireen a hundred percent. And, and so not having Megan was not an option for us. Mm. And there was at one point, I remember that the fertility doc said, dump your midwife. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he called it like um, a platinum premium, pre a premium or something, platinum pregnancy. And that, and that we was a, it would be a non-negotiable for him that we would have an OB involved in the situation and, in the pregnancy. Um, and so that was sort of the end of our journey with the fertility doc, um, um, when he said that and, and, um, and I, and I, I felt as that he had taken us to where we needed to be and I no longer needed him. Mm. Um, and so, so we all agreed that we were going to go with Megan. Um, it also happened that the OB that I had worked with through my pregnancy and my DNC and all of our fertility stuff had um, recently left his practice to go to the hospital um, and be the hospital OB mm -hmm. um, and, and in their emergency. So if, if anything were to have happened and we would have gone to this hospital, we would have ended up with our preferred doc anyways. <laughs> so the stars kind of aligned for us there in that way. Um, and, and, you know, our midwife, we, we had gone through the standard screenings um, um, we chose not to do the genetic screenings because we weren't going to, unless there was something that was going to be detrimental to the life of the baby, um, it, it wasn't, we were going to deal with whatever we were going to have to deal with. We all kind of agreed that, that that's what was okay. Um, but, but we had the, you know, the standard screeners, the standards ultrasounds, um, that looked for the big dog type of genetic issues and abnormalities. Um, and, and our midwife was so thorough. I mean, I had gone through the OB side of things with my first pregnancy and, and, um, I mean, you get, they get you in and out in about 10 minutes. Um, Patrick and I were amazed that our first meeting with Megan was over two hours. Um, and, and, and every subsequent meeting with her went well over an hour, um, and she was available to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, any questions, concerns. Um, and, and she also, in a way, treated me um, um, because I had a lot of trauma and a lot of issues surrounding this pregnancy. I still do. Um, and um, so, so we decided to go with midwifery um, over traditional, um, you know, having an OB uh, monitor our pregnancy. Mm. Shireen, uh, you know, at this stage in the game, you know, having, you know, obviously been under care with me for as long as I've known you, um, you know, and having had a relationship with Megan uh, prior, um, you know, what was kind of going through your mind at this stage in the game? We know that the the embryo had taken, you know, you're, you're about to kind of embark on this journey, especially through the fairly challenging first uh, trimester. Um, you know, kind of where, where's your headspace at, at this point? This was a happy pregnancy. I felt 
supported and cared for. I felt like luck, super lucky to have just Megan and to have Libby and Patrick, to have Johnny, and then to have you also to have, I mean, my bases were covered as far as care for myself and, and care for the baby and as a whole, like the whole person, like just, I mean, not just, it wasn't just focusing on, you know, the, the pregnancy. It was me as a whole to make sure that the baby and, you know, pregnancy, everything went as a hundred percent as it should mm. and as best that it could. And all the, I was, I was super sick for the, you know, super sick with all the usual stuff, but still felt just like I had the best team behind me that I could. Right. With, with you know, with all the nausea and, and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, involved through the first, what, like 12 to 16 weeks or so. Um, Six months. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hindsight really is twenty twenty, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you're, you're an athlete, you know, and you were working out um, the entire mm-hmm. time. You know, you're taking care of number one. You're obviously under Cairo Care with me, you know, working with Megan, right. having that support network. Um, you know, it seemed like, uh, like everything was remarkably routine, um, you know, until we get to, you know, about, uh, I, you know, I, re- I recall about 36, 37 weeks. Right. And to be fair, you know, yeah. the majority of the moms that I work with, you know, they get to about the 37 week mark and they're just like, all right, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm over being pregnant. A baby can come out anytime now. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. <laughs> but, you know, even on the chiropractic side, you know, having been through Shereen's first surrogacy, you know, there are things that are starting to pop up that were kind of a little haywire, at least on my side. Um, it became a little bit more of a challenge to keep her balanced. Um, you know, right. I, I started checking her pretty much every day. Um, got Twice to the point. Yeah. Right. Got to the point where ergonomically, um, Shereen's belly was so big that I couldn't even adjust her on her belly anymore. Uh, we had to modify it a little bit so that she was either standing up or she was on her hands and knees and, you know, rolling with the punches. And, you know, eventually, you know, we got to the point where, you know, we were knocking on the door of 41 weeks. Right. Um, we had, yeah. Yeah. We, that we, she went to 41 six, but right. I think we were all surprised that we actually went over. I, I wasn't expecting it. Well, I, it was, I mean, I thought there would be a two day window two days before two days after I thought max because <laughs> we knew our dates. So I thought, Oh, we know the dates. There's no way it'll go over. Well, so I mean, we and went. that, that brings up that other question that you and Libby and I and Patrick have discussed, you know, it's like, you know, where, where's the precedent, right? Because we, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that Baby's going to come when baby feels like it, right? I mean, this is a mantra in chiropractic circles, especially in Webster circles, because due dates tend to be deceiving, you know, even though the implantation, right. you know, is actually, you know, determined mathematically. Um, but uh, baby comes when baby feels like it, right? But we also know that there is this sort of policy in the hospitals that you can't really go past 42, Right. Um, and right. I, I've known a lot of uh, a lot of chiropractors who've delivered their babies at home under the radar at 42 plus 4, 42 plus 5, 43 plus whatever. You know, we've had moms that I know of personally who've delivered breech babies plus 42 um, at home with no supervision or with a Christian midwife, um, uh, which is a little bit outside my comfort zone and certainly isn't in my scope of practice. But, you know, we get to this 41 plus 3, 41 plus 4, and I'm going like, huh, well, what's going to happen if we go to 42? Um, and the universe kind of, you know, works out the way it works out. And obviously, you called me at about 41 plus 5, you know, went into labor mm-hmm. and we started yeah. going through the motions. Um, but, you know, getting to that point, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, your experience in, in labor with Ayla, um, you know, talk about your experience and even, you know, Libby and Patrick, I, I'd love to hear from you and, and talk, talk to, uh, talk to us about kind of how that whole thing panned out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what their version is of it too. <laughs> Cause I, I know what I was doing. Yeah. Well, I and certainly remember a few things from my head that I'm sure I'm exaggerating as well, but, uh, yeah, I'd love <laughs> to hear your perspective and walk people through it. Well, I, I think too, it's important to mention that through the whole entire pregnancy, outside of our, our meetings with Megan, you know, we met for dinner. Um, you know, we got, we got to spend a lot of time to, together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we probably saw each other. I mean, every other week, whether it was the Megan or going out to dinner, um, Shereen and I probably communicated at least every other day, if not every day. Um, with just, you know, messages to each other and how you feeling and, 
and and you know we we came up with a nickname for Ayla because <laughs> we didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl. So so, so I think I think again, you know, I I just want to stress the importance of that relationship because I think that has a lot to do with with trusting getting going to 41 plus six for sure. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, when you, when you get to that point, there are all of our phones were blowing up all day long. I mean, all of our friends were saying, when are you going to induce? When are you going to induce? I mean, people were telling us all of these horror stories and, oh, yeah. and, you know, and, and family and, freaking out. Oh yeah. Family sending us to like, you know, WebMD to look at certain yeah. things that are. So I, I think that, 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 that trusting Ayla, and trusting Shireen and trusting Megan and trusting you, Doc, was a big part of of knowing that we were we should we should let baby come when baby will come. And we did the med. You know, we had uh -huh. her. We did the stress test and everything, so we knew she was she was fine in there. She just wasn't ready to to come. So right. So I think once once we got to labor, um, um, I think it, it we we knew it was gonna be guided again, by our midwife and by you and by Shireen. Um, and, and so, um, so the labor for us, um, I think went as, as good as labor can go, <laughs> um, up until kind of the last, I would say maybe 90 seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, the one part that I, I, I have wasn't to there say for. That Shireen is, is our angel and she is, she is just, amazing to have watched her labor the way she labored and we had we had you know non-traditional laboring she wasn't forced to stay on her back she was allowed to labor wherever she needed to labor um, whether that is you know in the bathroom on the toilet whether that's walking down the halls of the birth center whether it's on the bouncy ball whether it's on all fours whether it's on her on her feet with her hands on the bed with you adjusting her uh, wherever, whatever, yeah, in our tub that was there. Um, so Sh Shireen just she she labored, and and we were sort of these kind of tried to be as a passive participant as possible until Shireen told us what she needed, whether that was to hold her hand or to help her move or to get her, you know, juice or you know, we we really let Shireen and Megan be our guides. Trying to be support network. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the way that I remember it, um, and again, this is one of the things that just is so amazing about the story is, you know, I, Shireen called me around, I think, four o'clock or so, right, Shireen? Um, yeah. And, you know, she had, you know, rented out a hotel room just to kind of, you know, do her Shireen thing and maybe... I wanted the bathtub, jacuzzi tub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So <laughs> I went over and I checked her, you know, and at this stage in the game, having taken care of Shireen for not just this pregnancy, but her last pregnancy as well, you know, a lot of those indicators that I'd be looking for are pretty much just, you know, they're either there or they're not. And so we look for a couple things that on the chiropractic side needed to be addressed. Um, you know, her Shireen's history, she's like one of the only moms that has uh, honestly ever reacted this way. We, we get on a certain contact and we adjust it and she has an instant contraction. Um, things started spread, you know, speeding up. We called Megan, you know, we called you, uh, Libby and Patrick, and you guys all kind of showed up and then it was time to go to the birthing center. And then, you know, I think probably for the, about the next eight hours or so, you know, I was, I was there off and on, you know, checking Shireen, adjusting mm -hmm. as necessary. But every single time, uh, we went in to, to check and adjust, uh, or, you know, just observing, kind of seeing what's going on. It's like literally you, you know, she's surrounded by this village, right? I mean, in, in retrospect, looking at this whole experience, right? You know, chiropractic aside, it was you and Patrick, it was Johnny, it was Megan, Megan's assistant, and then eventually, you know, Tiffany showed up. I mean, how many people were there in this sort of infrastructure, the support network um, to make this thing happen, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that... that <sighs> That's what should happen for every single pregnancy. And again, like unheard of in a surrogacy, right? I mean, even just the idea of having you and Patrick Libby as the biological parents and having Shireen and Johnny there is just, it's incredible, right? It's an incredible testament to kind of pooling our resources, right? Crowdsourcing this pregnancy in a way that is congruent 
um, that, like you said, allows Shireen to kind of do what her body is programmed to do, um, and then remove all the other constraints. Um, again, just I've, I've attended a ton of births, but it ain't nothing like this one. So yeah, it couldn't have gone better. It really, like Libby said, except for the last ninety seconds or so, it it, it was hard. Obviously, it was super hard, but everybody seemed to know when to come in, when to back off, when to, everyone, almost, it was almost instinctive and intuitive. Like it was, it's hard to explain. Like Libby knew when to come in, Patrick knew when to back off. Even Johnny knew when he was needed and, you know, when he could go out and, and get something to eat versus, you know, he, he knew he didn't have to be there, you know, right in my face the whole time because there was always, it, it's hard to explain. It just, everyone seemed to know their place at all times and, and everyone was integral to it. Right the way the way that it needs to be right and, and i think i mean again like the importance of, of telling the story is just to let the world know that this is th this is this is the status quo i mean this is what is necessary to deliver mm -hmm. a, you know a life into into the world um and and we take it for granted Right, we take it for granted that that birthing is this is this medical procedure that needs to be super invasive and it needs to be super assaultive. And in reality, um, is medicine needed sometimes? Yeah, for sure. Is intervention needed? Yeah. I mean, I've had my share of patients where we've had OBs do life saving work, but that's tends it tends to be the the exception, not the rule. Right now, well, we have. We talk about the difference, how different it would have been if we would have had to go to a hospital. We, we've talked about how it would have been a completely different story um, if we would have had, if we were forced to go to a hospital versus, you know, obviously if you need to, you want it there, but totally, if it, it would have been completely different. So, so we we get through the labor. Um, Shireen delivers a gargantuan baby. Um, she, she I don't, I'll cut this out if you don't want me to tell the story, Shereen, but we remember receiving a video via text to uh, our office manager and our resident and myself and Megan is weighing the baby joking that the, uh, the scale only can handle 12 pounds and right. it, the baby pretty much bottoms the scale out, which is, uh, which is incredible. Um, but, you know, we, we got a healthy girl and she's beautiful. And, you know, I had the honor and privilege of being able to check uh, Miss Ayla at, uh, on day two. Um, you know, we adjusted a few things very gently just to kind of, you know, move things back into position. And that was an incredible experience. But, um, yeah, now we're, let's see, we're what, like six, eight weeks postpartum? How far along are you? Five weeks. Five. When tomorrow five weeks. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, postpartum now, you know, for both of you guys, because you really, if you really look at the definition of the postpartum period, you're both kind of there. Um, how, how would you kind of describe, you know, how things are going, you know, how do you feel? How's the dynamic? I mean, I know Shireen visits, visits the baby, you know, almost on the daily. And let's, let's talk about how that village has, um, has led to kind of rearing this baby. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here. I have Ayla on my tummy right now. So <laughs> it's good, I think. Yeah, she's sleeping with me right now, you know, and sitting with her, her mom and dad and holding her. It's, it's, it's awesome. And we're all seated on this on this little love seat. <laughs> I was actually dozing, sorry. <laughs> so, so we're all seated on this love seat and Ayla's on Shereen's belly and um, Shereen's pumping for us. Um, I tried to bring in milk um, and, and I wasn't able to bring in enough. Um, so Shireen pumps for us, and 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 so um, um, and then Shireen has now become Auntie Shireen um, <laughs> and Uncle Johnny, and um, and they're going to be a part of our lives and Ayla's lives forever. Um, and um, Shireen is here as much as she wants to be. Um, Patrick and I joke that we're not ready to leave our baby with anybody but Shireen. <laughs> um, and um, you know, Shireen came over. Um, almost on the daily after she was born and what was amazing that, you know, I could shower um, and we could sleep or we could do whatever we needed to run out to go to the store. And um, I mean, it, it's unheard of, like you said, that you have this, this other person whom you trust with your newborn's life. Um, and, and we, we, our family gained more than just one person oh. with, with Ayla's birth. <laughs> 
It really did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and we just had her blessed, um, and and Shireen was there, and and um, and my dad had mentioned that. My dad said something about he Shireen was holding Ayla, and, and my dad had said something where he had not seen anybody other than Patrick and I hold the baby, and only family had held the baby, and and Patrick very candidly said. Shireen is is part of our family, mm -hmm. and um, and I, I think that um, that that's the best way ever to have a surrogacy is to be able to have your child know the person who who without this person would not have come into the world, mm -hmm. um, and um, I wish for everybody who goes through a surrogacy that that they get to have this type of, of that village mentality. Um, and it's, it's really about a relationship. It's, it's not just contractual. It's not just an understanding that you're going to birth our child. It's, it's that we are all coming together to create life. And, and then post birth that we'll continue to celebrate that relationship and until the end of our time. Um, and, and I think that I, I could not have asked for a more healing process to the trauma that we experienced through um, our infertility. Man, is it dusty in here or what? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Libby, thank you for sharing that story. Patrick, thank you. Shereen, thank you. Um, you know, I, I look back at the experience obviously, you know, differently, but I, you know, through my lens, I, I see the difference. I see the difference through, you know, with regards to Shereen's first experience, um, and, and being a surrogate and, in this experience, you know, and, you know, having known Shereen for, geez Louise, six years, Shereen. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh. Five, yeah. Five years. Uh -huh. Um, you know, and, uh -huh. and seeing, you know, even just how this whole experience has kind of like helped, you know, her grow and, and even helped me grow as not just, you know, a doctor, but a parent. Um, it's, it's just been really, as you said, Libby, I mean, it's been, it's been very healing. Um, you know, the, the story that I frequently, you know, describe or, or bring up, you know, when surrogacy is, you know, is, is brought up is it goes back to that, that story on, on radio lab that we, we heard last year about, you know, this, this gay Israeli couple who, um, essentially had to, uh, had to go through black market in order to surrogate a baby for them. And the culture around surrogacy outside the United States is just insane. It's there, there's essentially a black market. It's, it's almost a prostitution market in, in, um, you know, underpaying and, and, um, yeah. taking advantage of an entire population of uh, disenfranchised women, um, who then become essentially vessels. Right. And, and meanwhile, neither the biological parents or the surrogate get the love or the support that they need. And the people in the middle are the ones who make all the money. Um, you know, surrogacy, from my understanding, is is not cheap, and it certainly isn't easy. But it's, I mean, look at the outcome, right? I mean, this is this is such an incredible, you know, incredible thing that that the three of you guys have done together. Um, so, I, I guess at this stage in the game, you know, obviously this episode is is running just a little bit longer as we expected. But um, do you? Do you three have any, you know, calls to action or, or kind of final words? Um, any end caps uh, on looking back now and, and things you may have changed, things, you know, things that you that you really think were the right way to go? Um, I, I guess I'm just, I'm kind of looking for some, some, some words of encouragement almost to folks out there who feel like they're lost. You know what I mean? Oh, there's so much. Goodness. <laughs> I don't know, Libby. There's so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I reiterated it multiple times, um, the, the importance of trust. Um, That's it. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. The, and, and the relationship um, and, um, and, and allowing yourselves to, to sort of set aside these traditional um, kind of Western ideas about the way you start a family. 
um, that, that, that I think was one of the hardest things was, was getting over the grief of not being able to a, you know, use my, use my eggs or B carry my own child or C have an, have the OB and the midwife and go through that, you know, have the security there of having that because in our head, that's what, you know, we've been taught, um, um, you know, delivering in a hospital versus delivering in a birth center and, and the benefits of, of having that non-traditional option. Um, looking back, I can't imagine having to look through a window and watch Shireen labor on her back for 24 and a half hours um, in a hospital birth. I just can't even imagine that. Um, so I, I think really the words of encouragement I have are, are to, to be willing to take that risk, um, um, but making sure that you have that trust and that relationship um, before, before you decide to move forward um, in a surrogacy. Um, yeah, and, and I think the other piece of it is, is really to not look at it like the end of your surrogacy is when you deliver the baby. Hmm. Um, I, I think that one of the most special things for me anyways is that Ayla will be able to love her Auntie Shireen forever. And I think that that is amazing. Um, and just just knowing other people who have gone through a surrogacy, that that's that's the big piece that's missing, I think, for for those people that don't build that into their family, that family model. Mm. Um, of course, you have to have a surrogate that wants to have that mm. component. But um, in terms of that village mentality, I think that's what creates that that healthiness. In, in doing some things that are non-traditional. Hmm. Amen. Well, thank you, Libby. Thank you, Shireen. Thank you, Patrick, for being a part of this uh, very, very special uh, look into uh, your, your lives. Thank you for being vulnerable uh, and, and, and sharing the message. Um, as you guys know, you know the, the central mission of what we're doing on this podcast is to kind of normalize um, these so-called alternative means of staying healthy. Um, and in reality, what we're normalizing is natural bodily function, right? We're, we're trying to remove all the stops and the speed bumps so that listeners, um, patients, friends, family can live to their full potential. Um, and instead of adding all this other sort of gain or fuzz into the system, we're creating clarity. Um, and your story will not fall on deaf ears. Um, we got thousands of people who are listening from all over the world now. Our podcast is international, um, who will hear this and be inspired. So thank you very much, um, for everybody who's listening. Um, if you want more information, um, and you know you need resources you know really the first step is to you know give us a call um even if it's not chiropractic related by all means reach out to us and we will try to find you somebody who can help you in this in this regard certainly if you're looking for a chiropractor who is trained in uh, in pregnancy and postpartum care um, and you don't know where to start you give us a call but beyond that um even perinatal support, postpartum support, uh, by all means, reach out to us. If this content is uh, content that you guys like, by all means, please share on Facebook, share on Twitter, share on Instagram. Use the hashtag uh, normalize chiropractic. I think we should change that hashtag, guys. We should normalize surrogacy. Um, and, uh, and let's spread the word and, and save some lives. Guys, thank you again so much for sharing the story. Um, I look forward to, to seeing you all sometime very soon. And uh, we'll go from there. All right, guys, take care. Bye.